What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Conspiranormal. And uh, we are back with uh, with another guest. We're kind of like doing uh, some some local stuff tonight because we just did like a Patreon with uh, a yeah, yeah. good friend Joel, and now we've got another fellow Nashvilleian on the line, uh, Kiki Dombrowski. Uh, Kiki, welcome to Conspirate Normal. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I, I'm so happy to talk to Nashvilleians. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you go on a lot of uh, podcasts and like uh, shows like this? I, I think I saw that you go on. That there's at least one that you're on pretty regularly, right? Uh, yes, um, one of my my dearest friends, Tanya, does the Witch Daily podcast, and she lives in New Orleans. So um, I, I I I visit with her on on her podcast a lot, and I was on some of their Spear podcast not too long ago too. Um, well, that's really about it. I just, I, 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 I'm always happy to talk with anybody. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Especially about like such a str- strange topics like we talk about. Um, yes, please. <laughs> you, you know, kind of, kind of. This is interesting. Kind of how this came about because um, I actually read an entry from Liminal Earth that you that you did. I read it on the show. You did? Oh, the one about the strange sounds. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> Wonderful. When we were talking to AP Strange, yeah, we didn't, we didn't know it was you. Oh. Yeah. I, right. I, just, okay. I was just like, I got to find something from Nashville since we were talking about uh, with him about it. And I said, I said, oh, I found that one. I was like, that's real interesting. So I read that one and, uh, then I think you contacted me and said that you, that I had read it or something like that, uh, th- if memory serves right. But, um, 
what so we we read it on the show it's been a few episodes ago so kind of like refresh everybody's memory of like we got the source here so kind of tell us Ooh. what what happened like what was it you were feeling like when this was Sure. And um, I'll start by saying, too, that Liminal Earth is this really incredible project that was created by two really cool people out in Seattle, um, Garrett Kelly and Jeremy Puma. And they created this map where basically anybody can go on and log in any unusual supernatural, otherworldly, strange experience. I mean, anything from dreams to UFOs and and everything in the middle. Um, And so they have this wonderful project where you can become an ambassador of the area you live in. And I excitedly reached out to them and said, I'd I'd love to be an ambassador, sign me up. And so now I'm officially the ambassador of Tennessee. So if you guys even have had like strange experiences, I really urge you to go to liminal.earth and you could submit anything. And I'm sure you hear all sorts of awesome stuff um, locally too. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So anyways, I, you know, I'm, I'm from the Northeast. And um, a lot of my paranormal experiences happened when I lived up in the Northeast. Um, But moving to Tennessee, obviously, I've I've lived in Nashville now for 11 years. Um, So I'm I'm at the point where I'm finally saying I'm from Nashville. (laughs) (laughs) Right, Um, right. (laughs) It's taken a decade. Um, And I I live on the east side of town. And, you know, to start off with, we do live excuse me not too far from the airport um however we know how an airplane sounds we know how a helicopter sounds we know how a motorcycle sounds (coughs) excuse me i swear it's just allergies (laughs) (laughs) right right (laughs) everything is blooming outside right now (laughs) but i know that when people hear coughing they're like are you okay um yeah yeah (laughs) So um, my, I live with my boyfriend and we, we tend to be people that like to go outside and we, you know, like to look up at the sky and see what we see. And, and we are both very, very sensitive people. Um, and the way that I remember this happening, now this isn't the only time, it, you know, I, um, I wrote an entry for one time, but it's occurred a few times. Uh-huh. Um One evening, excuse me, I'm pulling up the entry to actually kind of like jog my memory. That's it. So I said it was in February. So there are a lot of times where we'll go outside just to, you know, enjoy outside. And this one evening in particular, we went outside and there was this heavy, heavy feeling where it almost felt like something was watching us. And this is very unusual because it's not like we live in a, in a rural area. We live in a suburban area. Um, but it almost felt like past the yard, past where the light went down, it felt like this dark heaviness. And it just felt like something was there. Or, you know, like there was some sort of shape-shifting thing. You know, like it's like something was like disguised as a tree watching us. You know, like so, this weird feeling that we were being watched. 
And I remember being outside because I was with my dog. And, you know, the sky felt very black. Like it was, it was dark. There were, there were no, there were no stars. It just had this sort of like boring, cloudy feeling. Um, the interesting thing that happened was, you know, we went back inside after this odd feeling. And it just felt like the, my, the way my boyfriend put it was that we were in a contained space with this feeling above us. It was almost yeah. like we were in a Petri dish. We were, or we were under a microscope and we were being watched. Huh. Um, so this, let me just see, this kind of also goes along with some of the other feelings that we have. There have been times where we've gone outside and we hear very strange sounds. And um, like I said, we live, near an airport but we know what an air you know um what an airplane sounds like when it goes overhead but there have been times where i swear it sounds like like gravel like um like metal scraping across gravel or there's almost this rumble that it almost feels like it, it it goes through your body kind of rumble. And I don't know if other people notice it or if they just think it's planes, but there have just been times where you just go outside and you just feel like you step into a different dimension. <laughs> there's mm -hmm. something watching us. There's this heavy feeling above us. There's these strange sounds. And, and, and I, I don't think I'm the only person that feels this way. I know that, that Nashville has some really interesting heavy history it has some really interesting sights and so i have to believe that there are other people that are hearing strange sounds or feeling you know like they're under a microscope <laughs> can you can you be a little more specific with the neighborhood because uh, i'm pretty familiar with with east nashville like oh, is sure. there any well, landmarks uh yeah i'm i'm in inglewood and i'm on the other side of shelby park so do you know where shelby park is yeah you're like um, okay okay but yeah. like the other side i'm i'm yeah. just south of where the tornado went through like the tornado missed our house by about a mile and a half oh my gosh yeah i know it was pretty close to my place it was pretty it was <sighs> really close to my place yeah it, it, yeah, was, there, it was really shocking <laughs> In general, I mean, from the East Bank to along the river, too, I mean, we're talking about this is these places have been inhabited for at least 10,000 years. Uh, so I think there's a there's a lot, a lot to it. I mean, this the the stone box grave cultures and stuff. I mean, some of these neighborhoods in East Nashville were literally just like covered in in Indian graves in the stone box graves from the. Uh, yes, yeah, so there's there's something to the ancient history, and there is definitely something to the area also that I haven't quite put a finger on. Yeah, I can totally relate. Yeah, yeah. There, and and I, sometimes I wonder too if it deals with the river, um, and and you know that there's that 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 theory that paranormal activity really loves running water, right? And so 
just knowing that this, the, the river, it snakes, it, it, it doesn't just like go through Nashville. It snakes, it winds, yeah. it, it swirls around Nashville. And, um, there are even spots in Shelby park that to me feel different. Like you, you step onto, you know, maybe not the, the paved area, but if you go deep into Shelby park, there are some areas where you just step on a different path and you just have this different feeling. Um, and it's hard to really describe in words other than it feels ancient. It feels like there's, something significant there and maybe it is a sacred mm-hmm. space and and you know um the box graves wow um i didn't even think about that it, it kind of makes me think over on like bell's bend and even the west side of town and even if you go out mm-hmm. a little more west and there's the the hill mounds out on harpeth so mm-hmm. yeah yeah it, it's, it's an interesting area but you kind of felt like there was almost something like watching you from above, kind of like something that was like an overlord that was kind of observing, observing you in a way. Oh, God. Well, we, we have this. So my boyfriend and I are really entertaining people. And we'll I'll just give you an idea of the cheesy joke we always have. We always say, oh, close, close the blinds so the reptilians can't look in and see us. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and so what what that joke is actually referring to is that feeling where we go outside and we're we're getting we're an object of observation. And yet it felt more celestial, like it was from above and impressing downwards on us. Yeah. Right. Strange. Pretty spooky. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. Well, you know, like I was just thinking about that today and just like, you said this was in February of this year, correct? Uh, 2019. 2019. Okay. Okay. Still though, it's like that feeling of foreboding and you kind of look at everything that's been happening, especially lately, especially with after we had that tornado here, you know, I just, when I read that, I was kind of like, hmm, interesting, interesting kind of bit of foreshadowing. So... Um, so you've been working with the Luminal Earth crew, and then mm-hmm. you also um, have kind of your own business, I guess, doing tarot readings and all kinds of interesting things like that, which we'll, which I want to get into a little bit with you. But uh, I just kind of want to get your background, like, um, you know, the, how, like, so I guess that you consider yourself, you consider yourself a a witch or Wiccan or how does a, what what do you consider yourself in that? In that spectrum, I, yeah, um, I, I I consider myself a, a witch. I guess okay. it, it's even weird, almost like announcing it or or, or declaring it to the world, because right. it just feels like what I do is is I celebrate nature, I celebrate the seasons, and I know that I that the world around me is full of life and energy and spirit. Um, so I guess that's the definition of a witch. A Wiccan, Wicca is actually considered a modern day religion. So it's an actual religious practice. Okay. Um, whereas anybody could be a witch. Um, but there's no like religious tradition with it. I guess that that's the best way I could describe it. People talk about this all the time. What's the difference between a pagan, a Wiccan and a witch and a pagan is kind of this like umbrella term for people who um, celebrate uh, probably pre-Christian 
uh, mythology and religious beliefs and ceremonies and systems. Um, and a Wiccan is somebody who, who takes that, but it's, it's like a religious practice where, you know, some Wiccans, I think there are solitary Wiccans, but whenever I think of a, Wic- a person that's celebrating Wicca, they tend to um, congregate with, with others in a coven to celebrate um, full moon, sometimes the new moon, but also um, the, the, the wheel of the year or the, 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 the eight great holidays that um that i wrote about (laughs) so you're you're more independent than you 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 don't belong to any official uh or religious organization like wicca or something you kind of do your own thing i do my own thing but i honestly i break bread with a druidic group so there is a druidic group in in nashville and i celebrate the holidays with them um so I guess that I would say that I'm a druidic leaning witch. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> who celebrates the seasons and 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 is just super chill. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I I always used to call myself a bookworm witch because I love to to read and cross reference and and study and and kind of go down rabbit holes and and find where you know a certain topic will take me. Um, I, I guess that's probably one of the best things I could, or, or I'd say like a seasonal witch, because I really love to flow um, with the cyclical nature of, of the seasons. And I tend to find that, you know, my activities, my mood, my, my rituals, and, and just the way I feel also coincides with, with the season. Although right now, since we're all inside, I feel like I'm hibernating when it's really <laughs> nice out yeah. and I should be outside. <laughs> I did kind of want to comment on that because all the, um, you know, the maybe observances that you would do in this, um, you know, as we're coming, as we're really having spring right now, but we're all inside. Are, do you feel weird about that? Like, you're, are you able to do the usual observations that you do throughout the year in springtime right now? Yeah, actually I can. I think the one thing that I'm a little, a little bummed out about is that I do love to go hiking and this is a beautiful time of year to go hiking and looking for, I'm a spring flower nerd. Like I love to look for different spring flowers. (laughs) And so I'm a little bit limited because I just have my yard. I, I haven't ventured out on the trails because I actually heard that they're a little bit saturated because yeah. everybody's trying to escape their houses. Yeah. So I just thought, you know what, I could, I could go to the forest when it's time, but you could, you could celebrate and honor the seasons anywhere and springtime and celebrating spring. I really think, or I, I, I celebrate gardening this time of year and mm-hmm. uh, my gardens are enormous right now. As a matter of fact, I have too many tomato seedlings. <laughs> And so it, it is kind of interesting that even though I can't get out in the forest and I can't, you know, go break bread with the Druids right now, I still can honor the fertility of the spring and the growth of life and the reemergence of life by just germinating seeds and, you know, um, working with compost and, mm-hmm. you know, l- looking for spring flowers in my yard. It's, it, I'm still able to to, to enjoy that. That's a good thing to focus on right now. 
I mean, because everyone, you know, a lot of people are in such a dark place right now that to think about this rebirth is uh, probably real positive. Yeah, and I guess that's interesting, too, to think that this is happening in the spring. There is, you know, when I think about the spring and the spring equinox and, and, and honoring, you know, sort of the feeling of spring, I think about transformation and growth. And while this is a horrible thing, uh, you know, I mean, it's a pandemic, so it's not like <laughs> walking through, you know, the park, but um, there, there's some transformation happening on a greater scale. A lot of people are learning that their jobs really could be work from home jobs. A lot of people are feeling a lot more mellow and learning how to enjoy the quieter side of things. Nature is healing. Um, here in Nashville, something very peculiar happened. We were, you know, because like I said, I'm always outside. So we were outside and there were like a half a dozen bats like circling over our backyard, which I've never seen before. You know, I'll see a, few, a couple of bats flapping around every now and then, but to see this like whole, you know, it was like a bat party. Like something is reawakening. Some sort of creative thing is emerging from this experience. So maybe that's a positive way to look at it or a positive spin on the events that we're going through. I, I think with any kind of thing like this, that's life changing, epic, ch epoch changing, whatever you want to call it. I think that there's always a good side to it. I mean, uh, I think that there could be a lot of changes coming from from this and there could be some positive stuff it's just a thought yeah and and i hope that there there are some some positive things some of the things that, that i really hope to see are um people's celebration of the homestead um and of their family and their mm -hmm. kin and just kind of saying this is what's important to me and i think too that we a lot of people I, I'm, I'm like a homebody with the exception of like, kind of like going out in nature. Um, so I'm pretty comfortable curling up with a book or cooking or meditating or just napping or just watching TV. But I feel like there are a lot of people that are really, you know, extroverted and stir crazy. And they're like, I just need to get back out. I need to go to a party. And I think that for them, this could be a really transformative moment where they, you know, honor that inner work we're yeah. inside so we could go metaphorically inside as well yeah yeah it has some introspection for a yeah. change yeah There's, yeah there could be so much that that good that does come out of this so it's not all a bad thing i mean you know we're going through a traumatic time right now but that's how these things work essentially is that there, there comes a, a point where like something makes us say, okay, maybe what we were doing before isn't the right way, or maybe the way that we lived before wasn't right. You know, those, I could see that happening. You see that happening all throughout history. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think two people are really reevaluating who are valuable members of our society, you know, um, Maybe we think about those Amazon workers totally differently now, or those people that, that ring up our groceries and stock our yeah, shelves absolutely. or even our doctors, you know? So yeah. we get to really see who those, those valuable people are in our community. And hopefully that means that we'll give them 
the praise and the support that they deserve. Yeah. Uh, so you also do tarot as I understand it. And I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on this. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about tarot, uh, before on the show, but to kind of just get your perspective, you know, for me, I've had my tarot card, my tarot read quite a few times. I've done readings. I have a good friend that she does it. And, uh, she's actually been on this show and, it's it's interesting. I've had some really profound experiences, especially in the last year with something that happened with me. But um, I still wonder if there's like a psycho. Do you think that there's more like a supernatural thing with tarot or do you feel like it's more of a psychological effect for a person? I think it could be a little bit of both. And I also think it's really up to the person getting the reading. Um you know, I think that the more open-minded a person is, and if a person really believes in, in ESP and psychic abilities, they tend to feel like they have these psychic and, and intuitive connections when they get a tarot reading. Somebody who comes in and maybe doesn't feel those same things, you know, may see that it's more of a psychological experience. There are readers now who um, really try and focus in on having a tarot reading that, that, that connects to more of that psychological aspect where we use the cards as, as tools to, to, to communicate psychological questions or, or messages or mantras. Um, and that's, that's really important too. Um, for me, it's a little bit of both. I tend to, I, I tend to think that I have a little clear audience in me. I, I don't, I don't, you know, promote myself as like some sort of like incredible, you know, psychic that's going to give you lottery numbers and, you know, tell you the name of your great aunt's, you know, dog or something like that. But um, <laughs> for me, there are those supernatural experiences where I will look at a card and I hear something and I relay that message and it clicks with the, um, with the client and there are times where I put the cards down and I look at them maybe once and then I just look up and I talk to the, to the client where it's almost like a channeling experience where you're really truly downloading something um, that's above and beyond just, you know, wanting to get on a soapbox. Um, and the cards are just so, kind of like a conduit for that or it's just like tuning in from the cards yes, to something else. Absolutely. You know, um, I met, let me see if I could see his book. I met an author and he wrote a book called Hidden Wisdom. I don't remember his name right now. I met him a few years ago and I told him I was a tarot reader. And um, it was interesting. He said to me something that, that still sticks with me to this day. He said, tarot are spiritual flashcards. And so I, I think of that. I, I do. that the the tarot is a tool to help you relay those spiritual profound messages. Um, they can really, really be life-changing in many ways. I think, I think if, if, if you're really open to having that kind of experience and I don't think it's just up to the, 
the person giving the tarot reading, but the person sitting down has to recognize that it's an even exchange and that they have to be open and accepting. Um, when people sit down with their arms crossed and say that they don't believe in tarot, kind of my response is, well, tarot doesn't believe in you. You know, um, <laughs> it, it's, it's meant to be, it, it's kind of like, like if you went to a psychologist and said, I don't feel like talking, or you went to a doctor and you said, guess what's wrong with me? You know, you're not going to get much out of the experience. <laughs> right. So tarot is just one of many divination techniques. And you, ha you have a whole book called A Curious Future, a handbook of unusual divination and unique or oracular techniques where you explore <laughs> like all these different ways of divination. Yes. Yes. So there, there are so many different forms of divination. Honestly, I think that you could divine with anything. <laughs> you know, divination is just one of these practices that has been with humanity since the rise of civilization. You know, I think about, um, you know, the creation of astrology, all the way to people, you know, scrying, which is, you know, when they gaze into like a crystal ball. Um, or golly, what else? People reading the way smoke rises up from incense. There's always been this desire to know what is going to happen in the future. And humans are very creative. We have found a variety of methods for predicting the future, some of which are, you know, very um, complex systems such as reading tarot or astrology and some that are a little bit simpler, like looking up and going, this cloud looks like this shape. Therefore, I believe this is the omen or the message. So um, anybody could do divination. What are some of the techniques that you use? Is there anything besides tarot that you particularly like to use as, as a divination technique? Hmm, good question. <laughs> I am looking around my living room right now. I'm like, what do I have that I like to use? So one thing that I enjoy using um, is a pendulum, which is this, it's, it's, it's basically a weighted object on the end of a string or a chain. The most simple way people maybe historically created a pendulum was by using a needle and thread. But you'll see today, like if you go into a metaphysical shop or a new age store, they have these pendulums that almost looks like a, like a cone shaped crystal on the end of like a sterling silver chain. And you hold the, the top of the, the chain and you let the, 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 you know, the weighted object, the crystal at the bottom of the pendulum kind of sit and, and it moves in a specific direction to indicate a specific answer. So for example, it might spin clockwise to give you the answer yes, and it might spin counterclockwise to give you the answer no. Um, and so we have, I think there's a pendulum in just about every room in this house. Both my boyfriend and I love using pendulums, so we have them everywhere. Um, I studied runes as well, um, very, very extensively at a very young age. Um, by young age to me, I mean like 19, 20, I was already kind of like, ooh, I really wanna study this. Um, it's so for some reason, I just, I think runes are very profound. I don't do a full reading with them, but it's basically uh, an ancient Scandinavian Norse 
uh, alphabet, and each letter represents a specific thing. And so I have this little kit of runes, and those little letters are carved on deer antler. Now, some people will have runes, and they're painted on stones or um, carved into wood. So it just, you know, it varies from person to person. And so every now and then I'll pull one rune for myself and, and kind of think about that. Um, and what the meaning of that room could be. You also, those are probably my favorites. <laughs> you also mentioned in the book going along with the runes, you mentioned uh, an alphabet called, I'm probably going to butcher this, Ogham, O-G-A-M. Is that how you pronounce it? Oh, yeah. It? Well, yeah. You know, it looks like Ogham, but I think it's it's pronounced Ohm or Ogham. Okay. 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 I, it really, it really depends on who you ask and also to, you know, holding no judgment because I butcher words all the time. And the one thing I always tell myself, and, and I saw this, I don't know, maybe somebody tweeted it where, you know, if somebody pronounces a word wrong, don't judge them because they learned it from reading it, not from <laughs> hearing it. Um, but yeah, the, 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 and I'll say Ogham for now, just because it's spelled O-G-H-A-M, the Ogham alphabet. Um, it's, it's based on basically, I guess I would call it, would, would say that, that it's Celtic in tradition. It's, it's sort of this, this complex system that, that, that's been re- researched and reinterpreted by, by Druids, which is academic professors, historians, and mythologists. Um, and so I'm actually looking at my book right now to share with you a little bit more information. Um, but basically, these inscriptions of this this alphabet they they appear on 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 place markers and stones in Ireland, Scotland, Wales, the Isle of Man, and England. And it's interesting, like if you if you look at the symbols themselves, they aren't like very eloquent or or ornate. It's basically like these lines <laughs> and, it, and it makes sense to me. And it's the same with the runes too. They're very, very simple shapes because they're easy to carve. Um, but the ogham are based on trees. And I think there are a couple like maybe like flat, like honeysuckle is in there. I don't know if you'd call honeysuckle a tree or not, or an invasive weed. I guess it depends on your, your personality. But basically, each of the interpretations of those letters are based on 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 the mythology and and stories of different trees. It's really pretty. It's really good for people who are like tree huggers and, and into Celtic traditions and and um, yeah, it's really beautiful. Maybe lesser known than rune. What about like uh, what are like bone casting? You ever done any of that? You know, um, I, I've studied it a lot and I have my own set. It's not completely finished. So the interesting thing is, is that bone throwing is, is really, really beautiful. And some people will create a very extensive set with bones and they'll use bones from maybe, um, you know, trying to think of this, like, like, like there's a place in town called Hale. You guys know Hale. And and you could probably get like collected bones, you know, that were 
ethically sourced there, maybe. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they have. I, I know that they have like, um, what are those when they, when they stuff birds? What is that called when they do that? They put a taxidermy. Yeah, yes. taxidermy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think about like where you buy, where you find bones. And like, there are actually people that, that, that sell bones, whether for divination or it's because, you know, they like taxidermy. Um, some people will find bones in the woods. Um, you know, like I, I didn't, I didn't take one, but like, for example, like, like I saw, I don't know, it was like a fox that had passed away and, you know, like some of the bones were showing, I'm sure that if somebody felt comfortable with it, they might do that. I don't think I would. Um, but there are also people that just use chicken bones. And so they actually literally like will use bones that they've collected from, from different meals, I guess. And, you know, obviously you go through a process to, to sterilize and clean them and, 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 and bleach them so they're bright and white and, and then, and then throw the, cast the bones. So when you cast the bones, you throw them commonly on like a, like a, like a cloth. Sometimes it will have different symbols on it. Sometimes it will just mark different quarters and then interpret the way they fall, um, I have a set of bones that I've collected. There was actually somebody at a, like a pagan festival I went to that was selling bones just for that reason. But my bone set also has um, some ancestral things in it. So like, like uh, a button that was from my grandmother's, you know, uh, jewelry box and, you know, like a stone that somebody got for me when they were in Oregon and uh, there's a, there's a tooth in mine. And, you know, so like uh, when people are casting things or throwing objects, some people will stick very, very definitively to a traditional system. And then some people will be creative and maybe, you know, feel inspired to do something a little bit unique. Um, I've seen people throw crystals. I've seen people throw trinkets. Um, and just, you know, basically they, they create the reading by giving an interpretation or a, a fortune to each of the, you know, the trinkets or the bones or, or what, or, or the objects. You've, you've also got another book out called eight extraordinary days. And this one is, as you kind of mentioned it a little bit, just a little earlier, but this one is about like the pagan holidays. And what was the kind of like, what was your purpose in kind of writing this book? Uh, what kind of inspired you to, to write a book about these? It's like, and it's kind of a more, it's an interesting book because it's like kind of a, a self-help. There's like a, it's like a guide to celebrating these holidays and then the traditions around the holidays. So kind of go into that a little bit. Yeah, sure. Um, so this is the fun thing about Eight Extraordinary Days. Right now, it's actually getting this huge revision um, because it's going to be published by um, which way? Um, <laughs> sometime at the end of the year, everything's delayed now because of, of what's going on in the world. Right. But um, it is such a topic that's near and dear to my heart that I decided to go through and and revisit the, you know, revisit the, the writing and kind of clean it up a little bit. This was self-published, so I'm really excited to have it going through a publisher. Um, and the reason I wrote it is because, honestly, it feels almost like my own personal book of shadows or like 
my collection of my studies and personal celebrations and personal interests and how I enjoy each of the holidays. Explain um, the Book of Shadows concept, what that is, because there might be some sure. people who don't know. Sure. Um, so a Book of Shadows, I think like probably the highest level to, to describing a Book of Shadows, a Book of Shadows is a collection of um, sacred texts, research, knowledge, magic, journaling that uh, a person collects. That, that represents their beliefs, their practices, their studies. So um, a book of shadows may have somebody's magical spells or somebody's, you know, they, they make a potion, you know, to bring in money and they write down the recipe because it might do really well and they could revisit it and make it again for a friend. Um, it might have rituals um, and it might have, you know, everything that they do to honor their spirituality. Um, for some, you know, again, Book of Shadows can be a very, very traditional book in, in some Wiccan traditions. Like there's a coven, you know, especially in, in ones that celebrate in groups of covens, a Book of Shadows can be this very, very sacred text where it just has rituals in it. Um, but I think of a book of shadows as a working journal for a magical person or somebody who, you know, is a witch and just wants a place to compile all of their, their musings. It has that real personal and, element to it. Oh, for sure. It's, it's, it's personal. And you'll find that some people, you know, um, are very, very, private about their book of shadows and then some people are really um, picky about what they put in their book of shadows um, there are some book of shadows within groups and covens where you can't read it until you you know have been with the group for a year and a day or you know it it, it varies from person to person um, for me, obviously, I, I think that, that celebrating the seasons and the cycle of nature is so valuable that, you know, I'm happy to share with the world what, what I'm fond of meditating on during different, you know, times of the calendar. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious what that term meant, uh, as far as like book of shadows. So, so what's, um, what are some of your favorite holidays? Like which ones do you feel like that are interesting to you to celebrate? Are there some that are more, um, I guess, important to you than others? Probably my favorite holidays in the wheel of the year. So in the wheel, when I say the wheel of the year, that is basically a term that was coined to almost imagine a wheel with eight spokes on it. And it's meant to be this sort of like visual to make you think about like, you know, a wheel, it's a cycle. Um, and each of those spokes is a holiday that, that coincides when there's a, like an astro, astronomical event happening. Um, and then the places in between those. So for example, there is the summer solstice, which happens, usually between June 19th and June 23rd. And then there is the autumnal equinox, which happens usually between September 19th and September 23rd. And by the way, this is for the Northern Hemisphere. 
but there's also these cross quarter, these, these holidays that happen in between those solar events. And for some reason, those are the ones that I tend to be drawn to a little bit more. Maybe it's because they're in between times. Um, and because they're a little bit, well, Samhain, which is spelled differently, it's spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N, is probably one of the most well-known holidays that, depending on who you talk to, um, is on October 31st or November 1st or both or all of October. Um, but it tends to coincide with the celebrations of Halloween. So it, it, it's the Witch's New Year. It's considered to be probably the, the most well-known and one of the biggest festivals of the whole year. Um, because I work as a tarot reader, I tend to not celebrate Samhain because Halloween is my busiest time of the year. Um, oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> It's bananas. It's just one party after another. You know, people just want readings during October. I don't blame them. I want readings all the time, but, you know, I guess <laughs> most people don't work that way. But um, for me, I think my favorite holidays are the ones that are less advertised. They're the ones that are a little bit more mellow, a little bit more quiet, and maybe people feel a little unsure about what to do during them. And I like it for that reason, because like I was saying earlier, like I'm a homebody. And so I like those kind of like homebody holidays. So um, one that just passed by is called Imbolg or Imbolg or Imbolg. Yeah, I had no idea about that one. That one was, was super interesting to me. It's really, I call it the introvert's holiday. That is, um, it's on February 1st. Again, that's in the Northern Hemisphere. And um, it's really this quiet holiday, but it's almost when Earth starts waking up again. You start to get those tiny hints that spring is around the corner. And the word imbolg actually means in the belly. And it refers to... um, Golly, is it is it is it sheep, sheep or calves? I think it's both. Basically, barn animals are pregnant and they're starting to show have milk, <laughs> and so there's there's this feeling in the air when when we get to February that maybe spring is coming back. Maybe we can be hopeful that that there's you know life again. And I also think it's interesting too because. In about February, I start thinking, oh, God, I have, to, I have to start doing my plants. I have to start gardening. So, so really, it's like this preparation for spring. But it also is this, this deep celebration of creativity and inspiration and, and just quietness. And, and, and I love quiet. So <laughs> it's, it's just this very, very peaceful holiday. Um, and it's also a holiday connected to uh, milk and so there's lots of cheese to be eaten <laughs> <laughs> so okay you can never go wrong with I can that, get with that. cheese eating <laughs> holiday is a good thing um and then probably my other favorite holiday happens in august and it's called luagnasad um and i've always liked that it's, it's august 1st um and i've always enjoyed that one because it kind of coincides with like it makes me think about like my childhood and going to state fairs and well, I'm from, I'm from the Northeast. So I went to the big E and it was like this agricultural fair, but you ate like um, fried dough and they, they celebrated the harvest 
and so this holiday is really profound to me because as somebody who likes to garden um, and I also love to eat, <laughs> it's a wonderful holiday that celebrates sort of like this bounty in, in, the, in the garden, this bounty in the world. We celebrate abundance. Um, but not only that, too, it's a, it's a day of playfulness. People can, it's, it's meant to be a playful day where people go outside. Um, I don't know. I think that those are probably my two favorites. Do you guys have a favorite? <laughs> as far as, like, holidays? Like, uh, yeah. uh, probably you can, really. You can give the Christian name, Adam. <laughs> yeah. well, probably, probably really lately. I mean, I, I enjoy like just Christmas time. I mean, that sounds pretty cliche, but just like around that time period is really enjoyable and not, not for like the, the reasons of like, you know, you get to buy stuff or you get presents. Like I'm way past that point in life. I just enjoy the time. I just like it. Cause it feels like things are getting a little bit slower and you kind of have hang out with your family and enjoy yourself. Like, you know, it's, it's a time that I personally enjoy. So I guess that would be more like Yule, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and that, that, that's around the winter solstice. And it is, it's that cozy, homey feeling of just, you know, you know, getting together and being comfortable with the people you love and, and being able to enjoy tradition. Um, and so it, it is kind of interesting. A lot of times people will always, will always like to point out that, that, um, the, the Christian calendar sort of mimics ancient pagan holidays. Um, and that, that, that a lot of the things that, 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 you know, were celebrated by, by those heathens, you know, the, the Christians or, you know, the, the, the Christian church kind of tried to find the holiday around their holidays to try and get convert those people. And so, yeah, maybe Yule or those celebrations connected with the winter solstice and, you know, that rebirth of the sun king and the sun god, you know, it, wow, perfect time to have Christ be born. <laughs> mm -hmm. right. I would say mine would have to be old, old Sam Hain. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 a pretty it's a pretty exciting. You definitely do get a char you definitely do get a charge in the air around that time. Really October is just a wonderful month to begin with. Absolutely. Like, uh, that's like one of the best months of the year as far as like at least here in this part of the country. It's it's really it's really nice and you get a good feeling in the air and there's a lot going on and usually. So, uh, for sure. What, what do you think, like, what are the holidays? Can you kind of go down the list of them a little bit? Like what, uh, and like the time of the year? Because I think that's important to understand it kind of like, cause it's really, it's like a, it's a pagan calendar, but it's also an agricultural calendar. If you really think about it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Spot on. Exactly. So why don't I'm trying to think about where to start? I mean, traditionally people start with Salon, which is that Halloween one, but why don't we start with kind of what we just passed, you know, chronologically, um, the spring equinox, some people call it Ostara, um, and the spring equinox, obviously that happens in March. Um, 
don't know, like March 20th, 21st. I can't remember what day it happened this year. <laughs> yeah, all the last month has kind of blended together into one day. I have no idea what, what time zone I'm in anymore. But um, the spring equinox is this time where we celebrate the rebirth of, 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 um, of nature. Everything's turning green again, and we can start, you know, you think agriculturally, like you're starting to get those greens back in your garden, and you could eat that, that, that lettuce that's, and those radishes and the asparagus, those first you know, those first foods of spring, which must be nice, because if you think about it, maybe, you know, in times before we had our greens shipped to us from greenhouses in, in tropical regions, we had to rely on what was in our pantries. Um, and probably by the beginning of March, you had, you were pretty bare, you know, so, so I think the, the, the spring equinox must have been a really relieving time where things were warm, and you could really you know, enjoy the, the growth of life again and kind of just be hopeful, like, oh, my God, we could put seeds in the garden and we'll actually have cucumbers. Yeah, <laughs> kind of this great feeling. Um, the next holiday that comes up is called Belting, and that happens on May 1st. It's really, to me, it's a very woodsy, um, very very green holiday that really celebrates the lushness of nature. We're really, really thriving outside. Everything is growing. Um, a lot of people consider it a fertility holiday. It's very fertile. The world is fertile at this time. Um, I think it's a maypole. <laughs> that mm -hmm. might be something that, right. that comes mm -hmm. to mind when people think of Beltane. Um, the next one is the summer solstice which happens in June, and some people call that Letha. And that is a holiday that is just bright and sunny. It's when our sun is the strongest. So, again, we're celebrating that life force outside. But one of the fascinating things that I love about Letha, and, and a lot of people will say it about Beltane in May as well, is that those are two holidays that are associated with fairies and um kind of having these interactions with the fairies and, and, and having this closeness to the other world and the, the nature spirits. And so, you know, um, there are lots of stories about fairies, you know, kind of like being out and about during this time of year. Um, and then there's Lagnasad in August, which we talked about, which is kind of like this, you know, I consider it almost like a holiday where we're practicing gratitude. We're, there's this feeling of renewal with people around us. Um, and then in September, we celebrate the autumnal equinox, which to some people, some people consider the autumnal equinox as the pagan Thanksgiving. And so this is a time where really like our gardens are overflowing with, with food and abundance. Um, and it's a time we give gratitude because it's also that wheel is turning and all of a sudden that abundance and that fertility and that life force and that strong sun kind of fading at the autumnal equinox. After the autumnal equinox, all of a sudden the days start getting shorter. And so then we get into to, um, the end of October, you know, the beginning of November, and there's the celebration of Samhain, which tends to coincide with Halloween. And that's really the time where they say, like, you know, that they call it the veil. The veil between our world and the other world is 
thin. And no. this is really considered to be the, the, the final <sighs> final harvest. It's truly like the last time that you, you, you know, everything that's left in your garden you bring in because after Samhain, you leave it to the land. And there's actually, you know, this belief that these little fairies come and, and, and spoil them and you leave the, what's left for the fairies outside. Um, and that transitions into your favorite Christmas, which is, you know, Yule <laughs> in our world and coincides with the winter solstice. So the joy of the winter solstice is that it's all about hope, even though um, it's cold out there. <laughs> it's, it's dark. There's this celebration that, that even though it is the shortest day of the year, from here on out, every day is going to get just a little bit longer. The light's going to be with us a little bit longer. And that's when we get to Imbolg, which is one of my favorites uh, in February. And then now that's, that's roughly what day it's like turned. February 14th is like kind of the same yeah. as like Valentine's day and Lupercalia around that time. Uh, it's a little bit, it's a little bit different. It's a, a little bit. Um, Lupercalia. <laughs> I don't know if, 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 if modern witches celebrate <laughs> in bulk in the same way as maybe the ancient Romans celebrated Lupercalia. If they did, they may be on an episode of Cops. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. But um, in bulk is, is traditionally celebrated on February 1st. Some people will celebrate it on the 2nd or 3rd. And um, some people will even go as far as to kind of pinpoint those cross quarter holidays by the exact time in between the solar holidays. So for example, Imbolg in February should be celebrated on the day that's exactly in between the winter solstice in December and the spring equinox in March. So. Okay. So there's no like kind really, of like definitive date of it. It really just depends on your tradition and your belief system yeah. and, and your own opinion. Um, when I look at the holidays, I think of them as something that is a vibe that lasts more than just one definitive day or definitive yeah. moment. Yeah. yeah. Like you was talking for Christmas and Halloween, everything around there. Sure. Uh, something interesting because we we're talking about some of the, the excesses we know of ancient Roman times and stuff because they're well preserved. Uh, but... This idea that on some of these holidays you have this release of social constraints or you have mm. a, a leveling of the previous like caste or class system or even in some of the Saturnalia stuff we read about yep. of, you know, the the masters serving the servants and things like this. And, right. and what do you think about that kind of stuff? And that is that something that we kind of we definitely don't have as much, but might have really contributed to more stability in a lot of older orders. Wow. Wow. That's something to, to, to meditate on. I don't, I, yeah. The Lord, is it the Lord of misrule? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. The Lord and, of misrule. Me and Adam were down in, uh, in, in Florida and uh, we didn't know his 12th night and we we're just walking around Pensacola yep. and saw all this stuff. And we we're like, what's going on? Cause we were just thinking, you know, we don't really have, we didn't really grow up with like Mardi Gras stuff. And we saw the, the King and Queen of Mardi Gras being crowned 
with like the Knights of Columbus standing around and everything and just like full regalia. But then that led me to like, to learn about that stuff, the Lord of Misrule. And actually I just, I got the, the baby in the king cake on Mardi Gras. So oh, you I'm hoping did? that the rest, hoping I don't get sacrificed as the Lord of Misrule, you know, but at least I'll have a good year. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that in general, I think that holidays are special because they, they, they pull us in the present moment. They allow us the opportunity to observe the world around us and they permit us a time to relax and, 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 and take a load off. But, you know, it is interesting that you mentioned that too, you know, what if there was the, you know, like sort of like the, 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 the switch, the switching of roles. Yeah, that that might be interesting if something was. Do, do we do that at all anymore? Makes me think of like makeover shows, like reality TV. <laughs> Where I think that, that that modern day humans would benefit from from celebrating holidays outside of you know just reverence for the commercial and the capital. Yeah. 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 No, no doubt. We're kind of dis. we're really disconnected from the roots of these holidays and we're really just kind of, we just, we just think of them as like, Oh, you know, it's Easter. Oh, it's Christmas. You know, it's time to do this. It's time to do that. We don't really get, I don't think a lot of people really get why these holidays are important because they're all about, well, like I said, the agricultural calendar, but also, you know, the rotation of the earth, at least in the Northern hemisphere, which where most people have lived for centuries and centuries and that that just how important the solstices and the equinoxes and and like it's all based around the solstices and the equinoxes but also i find it fascinating that it's also based around the midpoint between in a solstice or the midpoint between a solstice and equinox and midpoints as well like while pergus knocked and um that's right yeah beltane um and also you know like um um, Halloween is the same, mm-hmm. you know, the same way. I mean, All Souls Day, all that kind of stuff is all based around that. Yeah, and I think it's interesting too. You know, there's always this 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 sort of belief that those in between times, those 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 thresholds, they they unlock this access to otherworldly possibilities to magic to to supernature it's almost like there's this feeling of like like you could put your foot in in two different worlds which is almost why i i wrote that thing that i did going full circle back to what to what we were saying you know i thought it was interesting that i had that experience of stepping outside my front door in pretty urban nashville and, and feeling like i stepped into another world yeah do you feel I think like those times are important? Do you feel like with that experience, um, do you feel that there was a kind of um, fey kind of aspect to that, like the fairy realm, the strange, the high strangeness kind of aspect? Gosh, you know that's a that's actually a loaded question because you know there are some people that think that 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 the fey, you, you know, um, are God, you know, like like modern day abductions and Bigfoot sightings are actually the Fae or the Fae are actually Bigfoot and aliens, you know, um, there's a lot of correspondence between them. Yeah. There sure is. And there's this overlay between the two. Um, 
I've always been intrigued by the fae, the, the you know, um, the good folk, the other company, the fairy, however they, they, they choose to be addressed. Um, I've always been intrigued by them because I, I, I had those encounters and I definitely have those encounters in my dreams. Um, and whenever I've had those encounters, they've been really, really positive and very, you know, good vibration kind of feelings, you know. Um, and I didn't feel that way when I walked out my door that February evening. That being said, if, if, if we look at older stories about fairies, they aren't just, you know, Tinkerbell. It isn't just this like sweet little pixie winged creature that, that is beautiful and, and, you know, benevolent. It's not all, you know, like they're not all Galadriel and Rivendell. I wish they were. I mean, <laughs> I wish they were. Um, and, and maybe they are, if that's what you need to see, or that's what you need to perceive. But if you look at ancient stories of fairies, they could be pretty horrific and 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 there could be instances where they're really they don't have the best of intentions towards humans they, or at least they, real they trickster want to cause like. mischief yeah, absolutely yeah. Trickster. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah there's a lot of mischief that they, they, you know you think of things where you always hear about them braiding the hair of horses or you know, spoiling food or I mean there are some cases where they do they abduct babies. Um, or they <laughs> yeah. make people go blind, or they they'll 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 kidnap people and not let them go back. And and time in the world of fairy is 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 not like time as humans have defined it. So, you know, it's been said that that people step into the world of fairy and they think they've spent one night there, but they come back to the world and two hundred years have passed. So pretty interesting stuff both good and bad yeah it's like the, all the the it's like the missing time phenomenon and and all that there's there's um there's a book coming out soon about bigfoot sightings or about the bigfoot folklore that uh, our good friends timothy renner and joshua cutchin are working on and it's going to tie in some of this kind of fairy lore stuff to even like cryptids and bigfoot so and if you're I, interested I in, in the Fay lore, um, definitely check out some of Joshua Cutchin's books because he, he gets yeah. really deep into it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm writing his name down now um, because, you know, because it's all, it, it, we're really coming towards that time in the calendar where I start thinking about the fairy being alive and celebrating all the flowers in my garden. I'm reading a lot about fairies, so... I'm also going to read about Bigfoot this year too. So <laughs> cool. Maybe he's a green man of some kind. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's there's, been. Yeah, there's a lot to that. Spirit of the woods. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, the, the, yeah. the wild man. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's yeah. that's another that's another aspect of it, and that fits straight in with like fairy lore. So so like you kind of with all your you you come from a more kind of like the Celtic tradition. Because a lot of the holidays you're describing are more from the Celtic, old Celtic tradition, and this the whole idea of the of the fae folk and all this kind of th- all this kind of stuff more more stems from the British Isles. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
<laughs> I, yeah, I completely agree with that. That's definitely my foundation. It's what, what I was drawn to. It's what I love. And like I said, I break bread with the Druids. Um, it's what I studied. I studied uh, Celtic mythology. And then I went and I got my, my master's in medieval English and focused on Arthurian legend. Um, I also... I like to call it like I give my shout outs. I give my I give my love and my honor to um, Norse because I did a lot of Norse mythology and I did a lot with Icelandic sagas in my studies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my personal roots, I'm mostly Italian. So sometimes I, I, I start to study, you know, ancient Rome and ancient Greek. But for the most part, yeah, the, the Celtic tradition is 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 where where I where I, I tend to be most intrigued. You write about in Eight Extraordinary Days about Hecate, and I got to talk to you about this because this goddess has come up a lot on the show, but because primarily because of Walter Bosley and his work. Uh, what's the what is the association between like the the concept of witchcraft and Hecate? Oh well. Um... I will tell you, first of all, and I'm going to give this sort of like precursor, my connection with divinity and deity is probably different from maybe somebody that follows very, very traditional paths. Um, So I don't have like big altars and, you know, I, I work with them because I feel like they visit me or I feel their energy comes to me through different circumstances and divination. And there was a very long period of time in my life where I would go into meditation and in my meditation, I would constantly find myself like walking into stormy, dark weather. It it wasn't like it was bad weather. It was just like, like a gloomy, warm feeling. And, and I would encounter this woman and, and I really felt that she was Hecate. It was like, I would encounter her in these meditations. And so it was almost like a, a meditative encounter that I had with her. But in terms of her history, she's just, I mean, this, this extensive history. I'm going to open up to some of my notes on her because she's really a goddess of witchcraft. Um, so she, she sometimes is associated with being a crone goddess. And that means that, that when people think of her, they think of her representing sort of the aged aspect of, of a woman's life, you know, like the, the, a woman in her latter years. And I think it's important to recognize that, that Hecate wasn't necessarily always just a crone goddess or just associated with this older goddess. Um, she, she's a goddess associated with death, regeneration, magic. Um, it was believed that she ruled over the sky, the sea, and the earth. Um, she is celebrated for helping people with divination and with their spell work. Um, and she's also associated with, with um, herbalism, golly, with, with just about everything. She's also obviously associated with the underworld as well. So, um, yeah. There's a, there's it, it, she's she's a loaded topic, and I feel like that 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 for me she's somebody that I'm constantly learning about as well. Um, I I took this incredible incredible course on Hecate at um, Hexfest in Louisiana, 
I'm trying to find the name of the writer because she wrote this incredible book. Her name's Sarita Deste. And she talked about Hecate as being this torchbearer and being this, this goddess of the serpent and knowledge. And so truly like Hecate is just this powerful goddess that just embodies empowerment through magical manifestation, um, through healing work, through the other world. Um, yeah. She's, she's really powerful, and she's really, really powerful right now. A lot of people are drawn to her, and she, she's yeah. a very powerful, powerful figure. She shows up pretty prominently in uh, the work of one of our guests that we've had on, Walter Bosley, um, in a series that he wrote that's a nonfiction series called Empire of the Will, W-H-E-E-L. And um, it's kind of like since then kind of been fascinated with the concept of her and uh, some of the symbolism that's involved with her, like the like dogs and owls and the idea that she's a chthonic deity so that she's kind of a possibly older than probably one of the oldest gods you could possibly have. So something that like probably stretches way back into into the primeval world. It's, yeah. It's like, she's the, the original slayer. Like it makes me think of Buffy, the vampire slayer. And they go back and, <laughs> you know, that episode where, you know, Buffy goes back and, and meets the original slayer. Yeah. Maybe Hecate truly is that she really embod embodies, you know, that feminine aspect of, of divinity. Yeah. And she, and, and it's interesting too, that she keeps on kind of like getting downplayed and getting, smaller and smaller bit parts until she's finally confined to being sort of this like, like lady, you know, of the underworld. And she's so much more than that. There's so much more she, you know, and, and for me personally, with my sort of meditative encounters with her, her influence is, is massive. Yeah, no, absolutely. No doubt. Uh, you mentioned some of your paranormal experiences. We should talk about this. Um, sure. <laughs> so you said you really haven't had any here, but I guess growing up and such, you had some. Have you? Have you kind of? Do you pick up on those things more than other people? Well, yeah, and and I I, I should also say too, for a very very short stint, I was on a paranormal research team in Tennessee. Oh, okay. And I wish that I was more honed in with my mediumship abilities, but I just don't, it's just not my calling. It's just not my strength. Um, so I've kind of had almost like, I'll call it like really um, not forced, but um, instigated paranormal activities here um, by going into investigation but things that happen just kind of naturally, like the bumps in the night happened to me when I was a lot younger. It is kind of weird that, that it's almost though my shift, I, I had a shift in what I paid attention to. So maybe when I, when I lived up in the Northeast, I, I felt this connection to the ancient spirit there or the historical spirit and, and, and looked for those ghosts, looked for those paranormal 
actions or experiences. And then I moved here and I became really, really immersed in the idea of feeling the energy of place. And so, you know, like when I say like Shelby Bottoms, when you go on this specific trail, it's really muddy, but it feels different. You know, that's kind of what I'm looking for is, is, is where there are these pockets of really good energy that, that feel old and ancient. But um, yeah, I, I, I've definitely had all sorts of paranormal experiences. Um, <laughs> everything from I have had a fairy encounter to having seen um, full body apparitions. Um, trying to think of something I could tell you. But of course, like I'm trying to think of something that happened to me in Tennessee. And the only thing that's coming to my head is that I was my butt was pinched by a ghost. <laughs> the only thing that's coming to my mind right now, I was in investigation and just out of the middle of nowhere was like, Oh, oh my God. <laughs> where did, where did that happen? Uh, it happened at a person's house out okay. in East Tennessee. So I'm not going to give, you know, too much away, but, but this person's house was, was really interesting. Um, in terms of having a lot of activity, but it was almost like a, and I feel this way about East Tennessee going through Virginia and West Virginia. There's something in the woods that looks back at you. Um, and it felt that way out in East Tennessee to me at that investigation. It wasn't necessarily just like, you know, the ghost of somebody who lived in the house beforehand, but there's something about the land. What was the, uh, what was the, what was the fairy experience? We got to talk about that. That's sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've always loved fairies. I, I, I don't know why. And not necessarily just like, like I don't have like a Tinkerbell tattoo or anything like that, but just the idea of this, I don't know, a, a, a race, a, a, a collective of, of, of spirit, that, that we don't see, but might be living just in another dimension on top of ours. You know, this, this idea that there's stuff that's just beyond our sight. And uh, I've always loved the, the tales of, of the world of, of, of the fairy being this beautiful, everlasting, youthful, healthy, sunny place um, of enchantment. Um, there's something that feels good about that. Um, but there was, I remember when I was, like, I started to come into all of this stuff, like studying witchcraft, studying tarot, studying all of this kind of like really supernatural, high strangeness, magical, esoteric, occult stuff. Like, I got into it really young um, because I was drawn to it and very curious. I remember I had a book report on witchcraft in ninth grade, so... So I, I was always like, like even young kind of pulled into this. And one of those young summers, I was probably like either 12 or 13, maybe 14. Um, I grew up in this beautiful rural neighborhood in Connecticut. And my mother I remember one day she was complaining about mowing the lawn and I said, just let it grow natural. Just like this little hippie thing. I was like, just, just let it grow. And and so she did. Um, The the backyard became this like almost this like valley of wildflowers and butterflies and bees. And at this time in my life, I started reading about, you know, how there's this belief that if you 
leave little offerings to fairies, they'll look at you kindly and they'll, they'll be good to you. They, they won't, you know, be mischievous. They'll, they'll, you'll have good, you'll be, you'll have a good reputation with the fairy. And some of these offerings include honey and cream and some people leave candy or um, even like mead or whiskey. And so uh, in my young, young age, I, you know, probably around Beltane or Letha, I, I, I went outside and I left. I remember I had like Barbie, Barbie stuff. Like I had like Barbie dishes, (laughs) 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 like like kids toys, but I put cream and honey in them and I left them out for the fairies. I was like, this is for you. Happy being a fairy, you know, whatever. (laughs) You know, um, you made an offering to the fairies. I sure did. I, I really tried to in this beautiful, lush, like green floral paradise that was our neglected black backyard. And one night I woke up to my feet getting tickled. Like, and I, I you know, I, I had my own bedroom. I, you know, we lived in the middle of the, it was the middle of the night. And I, I, to this day can tell you, I remember the feeling of these like little like pointy pressure, just like poking at my feet and tickling me. And while waking up, I must have kicked or like harumphed, you know, <laughs> like not happy that I was getting tickled. And I heard the this very, very, very um, audible giggling. And it was like tiny giggles. It wasn't like it was like a teehee, you know, like like what you'd expect a little quirky Victorian pixie fairy to sound like giggling. And it was audible. It wasn't just in my head. It wasn't, you know, like I was dreaming. I felt this pressure on my feet. I responded and I heard this noise. And I always swore that it was my fairy encounter, um, you know, growing up. And, and there have been times like that, too, where it hasn't been as definitive to me, but I feel like I've had those encounters. And I dream about dream about it a lot, dream about having encounters, dream about going to maybe what you'd call the other world or, you know, their paradise. And mm-hmm. in the dreams, I always tell myself, like, I'm lucid dreaming. I'm, I'll tell myself I have to remember how to get here. And I wake up and I never know. So it's it's pretty fae-like in a way. So um, I don't know. I, I think that everybody has experiences like this too. And then also too, if people have cats, a lot of times you'll see cats like responding to something that's completely invisible. Maybe you never know. Maybe it's a little house brownie teasing your yeah. cat. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've, I have heard about that a lot. That's a, they'll, they'll look at things or like stare at the dogs will do it too. And mm-hmm. you know, like, you don't know if they're picking up on something that is maybe in the environment that you just cannot see. Yeah. So it's really fascinating. They definitely see stuff that we don't. And, you know, I pay attention to my cats when they, when they behave. And I I think too, that we could, I, I think that, that no matter where you live, you could invite that, that, energy into your life you could live in the city there's this book I, I wish i could remember the name of the author but he wrote this book at really the turn of the 20th century and he lived in edinburgh so he and he was you know having encounters with fairy and parks there 
So I, I don't think that you just have to be in the middle of the forest or in a very rural place to have these experiences. Yeah, agreed. I think that, uh, well, I think what we're dealing with is something that is as old as the planet itself. Yeah. And that has been around and, and, and has many different guises. Like the whole fairy name is just another label for something that has been around. I mean, it just, it just doesn't matter what you call them. You call them aliens or gin or whatever that, you know, it's yeah. just, it's just the, 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 I think the, the best term for them really is just the other, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely you know, intelligences here. I totally agree with you. And I love how you, label them the other there's that belief that the fairy don't actually like being called fairy Mm -hmm. so they tend to go by the fae and then people will also sell it f-a-e instead of f-a-i but people will call them the good folk and i love that title the other you know and and maybe it's it, it goes along with what you're saying they don't want to be called fairies because they're not just fairies they're something larger than that there's something more significant they represent something that goes beyond that those boundaries have you ever had any weird like synchronistic events i don't think so (laughs) i wish i did like i'm like i like i sign me up for a time slip like I'm totally keen for it (laughs) i'm uh, you know i i I don't think so. I, I really, I think for me, I, I've, I've experienced a lot paranormally um, mm-hmm. with seeing things, but I've never had any synchronous, synchronicity events or any like missing. I may have had missing time once, but nobody believed me. It's, uh, the thing is, is, is I, I could look back on my life and I'm, I think anybody could too. And they could think, even as a young child where they had dreams or experiences. I remember when I was a little girl, I, I said to my mom, mom, do you remember when we used to live on the farm together? Hmm. I mean, that could have been a past life, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, recall. And my mom was like, well, we never lived on a farm. And so that was the end of that. <laughs> yeah. And all those little things but, we dismiss, um, you know, sounds we might hear, or things we might think we see, but just, oh, uh, I'm just, you know, that's who knows? It's just a plane. It's just a plane. And that's, and that's why I think that lim- <laughs> the, the Liminal Earth Project is so valuable because it allows us to, to sort of map out different things that are happening around us to see maybe, maybe we could go scope out this area and see if we have, this, you know, an experience like that. Um, or see if there's any trend, you know, (laughs) on the liminal earth map, somebody in Murfreesboro said that they encountered a enormous deer, which was (laughs) like the coolest. Oh yeah. I read, I read that one. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I was calling it big hoof. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh It's starting something now. Giant deer. So now I'm going to be like hiking through Murfreesboro looking for giant deer. Well, see, I think that's, that's valuable. That's, that's another thing that comes up. Deer come up a lot in the alien abduction stuff too, because oh, you got really? like the, the, the screen memories. People say that, that they've, that they'll, that an owl was looking at them through the window. The main one is the owl. The owl is usually pretty key and pretty significant, but uh, deer are the other one. People Dang. say that 
No, I'm sorry. What See deer. Saying? Or like an unusually large deer or something like that. Yeah. Wow. That's so it's interesting. And, it's interesting that he saw that. Yeah. And traditionally, like if you look at, at, at like, I, like I'm thinking of like different Arthurian legends or, um, you know, because I, I buy automatically, I start going through like, like tales and, and Celtic tradition and Arthurian tradition. And the deer always seem to pop up when, especially if they're white, like a white deer. Oh man. Like, you know, that there's fairies, you know, that there's like some sort of shifty thing happening where you're going to encounter this otherworldly event. So there they are again. So they're still, they're still showing up as deer. That's, that's interesting. That's interesting too. You said that about the owl because I have like an, a couple owls tattooed on me. <laughs> like, what does this mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well then there's the association of, there's a little bit of an association with more dogs though, but association with uh, Hecate with owls. Cause apparently she has this, these two little assistants. So there are these rather large owls and you know, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty fascinating. Um, well, this has been really interesting, Kiki. We really are glad to have had you on. Uh, where can people find out about you and uh, find what, what what you're working on and tell us you know, a little bit when these books are going to come back out? Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, this has been so much fun talking with you guys. This has really been a treat. And I've taken notes, too. So I'm going <laughs> to be, be learning a little bit about the stuff you shared with me also. Um, the books should be coming out maybe again around the end of the year, hopefully, as long as things keep moving. Unfortunately, there's just a delay because of what we're going through right now. But you can keep in touch with me by going to my website, kikidombrowski.com. And I'm not very active on social media. Like, I'm not really good at keeping up with it. But the place I'm most active is Twitter. And you can find me at Twitter at kikid333. Absolutely. Okay. Well, cool. Yeah. Thanks for coming on with us. Um, Stay on the line for us, Kiki. We're going to just close out this section and guys, we'll be back on Conspiranormal. Welcome back to Conspiranormal, guys. And uh, that was a rather interesting interview with Kiki Dombrowski. Really glad to have her, fellow person in Nashville. Right. So, you know, we got to talk to her about all all sorts of things tonight. Um, was there anything that kind of like stood out to you in that uh, interview? It was just interesting to um, really get into some of these the days and the, and the cycles and how um, of the solstices and equinoxes and the days in between and how even if you're not in tune with this stuff you're still pretty much living it um you know even the economic the economic cycle follows it now so even though we're not an agricultural society you know the economic cycle of um you know what the weather causes people to to, to do and especially like christmas where everyone you know spends all their money and has this you know thing that's similar in a lot of ways to the old old ways of what people would do have feasts and things so you know even if you're not tuned into it and the antiquity of it you're you're still living it even the most unaware people 
Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just that, that kind of stuff always fascinates me. I get looked at, I've looked more and more into that over the last couple of years about the, the, the calendars and the different uh, holidays that the ancient people had and how it's all revolves around the earth and the movement of the earth. I just think I find that stuff really fascinating. And I also thought that, um, when she talked about her, her kind of like paranormal experiences, especially that she's, she's really, um, into the, the fae folk stuff and, uh, looking into like, you know, kind of the, the link between the high strangeness accounts and the other and the fae folk and all this kind of, all this kind of interesting, um, material that was in there. So very glad to have her on probably, probably at some point have her back and hopefully, uh, started kind of like a, correspondence with her and that was interesting it was kind of an interesting uh serendipity that we read that um we read that on the air or so to speak of uh, her her little um entry into liminal earth so that liminal earth thing is really fascinating too and it's a lot of fun to explore so i i think there's anything else to add i think that's it i think we'll call it um if uh, so, uh, Serfiel, tell them what we're doing on Patreon and how to get there. Well, we've been having an episode every week. I think the um, last week now you would have heard um, what we recorded tonight, which is was a uh, exploration of someone's personal uh, paranormal songwriting. Yep. Our friend sure. Joel. Yep. So you can check that out. But uh, every week we've been bringing you cool stuff. We got two two part Echo the Dolphin extravaganza. <laughs> um, yeah, we that, got that was real popular, and uh, we hope to continue with themes and different different specials. Let us know any kind of cool ideas you guys got you'd like us to see uh, explore on there. We really appreciate our patrons. Yeah, and at some point we'd like to do some kind of uh, like virtual meetup if anybody is interested, and maybe we can use that as a show or put that up as on Patreon or just whatever. If our, any of our patrons are interested in doing that, hit us up conspiranormalgmail.com or leave us leave us a uh, note on on Patreon as well um, if you're interested. So I think that's it, guys. Um, next time. Bringing some more interesting paranormal stuff to you during these crazy times that we are living in. And guys, we will be back on Conspiranormal.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.